bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So ends the reading, and you may be seated, please. Okay, you ready? Thank you. You're ready, Joe. I like that. You know, this morning we, we come to a, a section. In fact, back at, in our audio booth, if you'll go to chapter 3 and verses 1 through oh, 8 again. I want to look at those just briefly. But as they're finding those, what did we talk about last week? That's why I'm going back over these, because I figured you'd have no clue. That's all right. I don't remember what I talked about last week either, except what? Yeah. Yeah, look, okay. We're, we're going to read these slowly, okay? So maybe they will stick. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, we like that one. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We like that one. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Okay, we don't like dying so much, but we understand that's a spiritual thing that we're dying to the world and taking Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We like that one. Verse 5, we don't like this one so much. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Do you remember this now? Oh, yeah. We were trying to forget this. Okay, look at verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Oh, we hate that one. Verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things, we don't like these either, as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And finally, verse 10. And have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. We like that. Notice what is happening in those verses. We die to things, we rid ourselves of things. Understand where we are going with that. Paul here is taking this and saying, okay, first of all, this is what must happen. We must die to these things, we must rid ourselves of these things. That's good, but you know, that's always a little sad because it seems like I just can't do anything right. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that way when I preach to you? Because I preach God's word and it says, oh, you do this and you do that, put this off, rid yourself of this. It's like, I don't have a chance. 
come on, help me here. The nice thing is we get to our verses in 12 through 17. And the nice thing here, it's not saying now, okay, get rid of these things. We've been there, done that. Okay, at least we've been there and we've read that. But now it's saying, okay, here's what to put on. Here's what you take. Here's what becomes a part of you. We got rid of this stuff, so there's a void. So now put something worthwhile in that is good. So why do I go here? Well, because Colossians goes here is why I go here. But just as important, there is a problem. The other night, Marcia was reading a little bit of the hole in the gospel book to me in bed, and I, I had forgotten about that. I said, ooh, that's good. Mark that, because maybe I'll use it in my sermon on Sunday. And so she marked it, and then I totally forgot about it. And, and I was here sitting with these hole in the gospel books, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I was going to share something with you. Then it was like, oh, can I find it? Let's see, she's near the back of the book. I know what the theme is, and, and I found it. And this is a chapter called Why We're Not So Popular Anymore. This is a chapter about Christians and Christianity. Here's the question. This is a survey that was done. Here are some words or phrases that people could use to describe religious faith. Please indicate if you think each of these phrases describes present-day Christianity. And these were, this was a survey done among Americans aged 16 to 29. How do you think we fare as Christians to that group of students? Well, let me give you some of the things that are here. And they divided this between outsiders and churchgoers. So 16 through 29 outsiders, ones who aren't in church. 16 through 29 age churchgoers. Got it? Here's one, judgmental. Outsiders say that Christians are 87%. 87% of the people say Christians are judgmental. The churchgoers say 52% of Christians are judgmental. Hypocritical. 85% of outsiders think that Christians are hypocritical. Churchgoers would say 47%. Old-fashioned. Outsiders, 78% of Christianity of Christians are old-fashioned. Churchgoers... 36%. We're not old-fashioned. Too involved in politics. Outsiders said 75%. Churchgoers, 50%. Out of touch with reality. We're not. 72% of outsiders would say that, that Christians are out of touch with reality where 32% of churchgoers said, no, you know, 32% of Christians are out of touch. Insensitive to others. Outsiders say 70%. Churchgoers say 29%. Boring. 68% outsiders would say Christians are boring. 27% say we're not, and we're not. All right? Not accepting other faiths. 
Outsiders would say Christians, 64%. Churchgoers say 39%. And then confusing. 61% outsiders, churchgoers, 44%. So, So do you get the idea here of what the view of the world is about you people, about us? I know you're not, most of you are not that age range. But maybe it's even worse if we did the older people, right? You see, there's an identity problem. There is a labeling problem. What, what is the, what's the big terminology now that they use? Oh, branding. You know, we're not branding well the Christian faith and who we are as Christians. So why do I bring that up? Why do I even read that here? And the reason I bring it up and I read it here is because we need to think about who we are and think about what kind of image, what kind of brand do we put out there to the world. Obviously, if this is any indication, we're not doing a very good job because People outside the church see us totally different than people inside the church see us. So we come to this point, and and we looked at chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, and we see it says, put off all of these things. Now understand, we can go out to the world and we can say, you know, my Bible says you need to put off this and this and this and this and this. It's so much easier pointing the finger, isn't it? Instead of looking at ourselves and saying, oh, you know, God, you're speaking to me here. That I need to put off these things. And if you remember last week, I talked about how we sometimes make excuses. How we seem to make it right in our own minds. You know, we're real good at that because sometimes we don't like looking at ourselves. The problem is the world looks at us. The problem is the world decides what this whole Christianity thing is about. Now, understand one thing here. I'm not saying to you change because of the world thinks of us. Because that's not my guide. My guide is what God tells me to be and what tells me to do. That is my guide and that should be our guide. But we see It says, put off all of these other things. We have died to these other things because of the faith that we have in Christ. But here, in these verses, we get to the point where it says, okay, this is what we need to be. And this is the position that we find ourselves in. And I think we need to understand these things because this brings us to the point of you know how should we live together how should we be in church how should we be in our families how should we be in the world now all of that is said so I can get to the first point finally if you were wondering what's going on here and point number one is put on Christ-like attributes in our relationships in the body of Christ or in the world or in your family, but put on Christ-like attributes. Now, to understand that, we need to understand our position. What is my position? You say, well, you're pastor. Well, okay, that's my title. But what is our position as Christians? We are elect. 
We are chosen. We are children of God. We have been adopted. Remember the Bible says that, that we did not choose him, but he chose us. Isn't that great? You know, you who are parents, you have the children you have because you do. Sorry. I mean, you decided to have children, or maybe you didn't decide to have children, and you have children. You got what you got. You know, they don't have any say about that, at least for a number of years. You didn't have any say about that, well, once you had them. But the nice thing is, God chose us because he thinks you're pretty good. Or maybe not so good, but maybe he can do something with you. Or maybe, maybe it's because he knows that you will come and turn to him and receive him. You see, you should feel good about that. <laughs> I've been chosen. I got chosen first. You know, all those people, and look, at he chose me. I'm not last in line anymore. I'm not the final one to be chosen. I am somebody because God chose me. You see, that's an attribute we have. We're selected. We're chosen. We're elect. And it's a special gift from God. So, okay, I like that. Understand our position, the chosen position, the elect position. But secondly, we, we're also holy. This is good. We are set apart from a sinful world and dedicated to God. Remember, put to death. Rid yourself of. When we receive Christ, we become new creations. When we receive Christ, we are set apart from that sinful nature. Oh, do we go running back? Oh, yeah, we sure do go running back, don't we? But we are set apart. We don't have to do that. It is our true position. So let's see. Elect or chosen, holy, and God's word says we are loved. We are loved. We are objects of God's matchless agape love. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he, what? First loved us. Ooh, I like that. You know, so often we have to love somebody else or show kindness or, or good deeds to somebody else and maybe they'll return it to us. But in his case, he first loved us. We're loved. And I like that. We're so special to God that we should be special to one another. If God loved us that way, can we not love others that way? So, okay, we understand our position. We're elect, we're holy, we're loved. The next thing is that we are clothed. Remember that passage there? Look at verses 12 through 14. Because I want you to see this. Therefore, as God's chosen, that's the elect, chosen people, holy, okay, we talked about that, and dearly loved, we talked about that. So because of these things, what do we do? We clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is put on, folks. This is not a passive activity. It's not like, 
like this jacket here, and it sits here, and I say, oh good, look at this, I got a jacket. Come on, jacket. I'm here. Come on, jacket. If you think I'm going to put you on, forget it. You've got to do it for me. You know, that's our attitude too often. You know, that we go to God and say, well, God, give me, give me, give me. But see, this is active. This is something that we have to do constantly. It says to put on these things just as I take a jacket and I put the jacket on. Okay? Now, can I take this jacket off? Well, yeah. You want to see me? <laughs> see? Look at that. I can take the jacket off. But it says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Do we have that video? Can we get that video and show them? that at this point. I know we're supposed to do that before you start preaching. Watch, watch this. So clothe yourself with what? With Christ. You see, you can take all of these things that it had mentioned there. You can take the heart of compassion and the kindness and the humility and, and the love and, and all of this. But when we come to the point where we clothe ourselves with Christ, all of that comes in. Isn't that great? 
So it's not like, golly, I got to be kind today. I got to be humble today. I got to be compassionate today. No, I got to be clothed with Christ. What's on the inside. And when it's on the inside, guess what happens on the outside? It leaks out. It comes out. Sometimes it gushes out. And that's good news. Because we are called to clothe ourselves with Christ. So let's see. We put to death and we rid ourselves of those things we saw. Then we clothe ourselves with what we just saw. The compassion. It's the opposite of insensitivity or callousness. Isn't that good? The kindness, it's the opposite of harshness and severity. One's attitude and actions towards others, it's a sweetness of disposition. Humility, it's the opposite of arrogance and pride. It's one's attitudes towards self. Don't consider yourself to be superior to others. I like the way that Stedman, Ray Stedman put this. He said, a modern proverb puts it well. We are to remember that all of us are made in the same mold. Only some are moldier than others. <laughs> the gentleness. It's the opposite of rough and ungracious. There's a meekness there, a meekness under control. Ray Stedman says about that, it is real strength, but it does not have to display itself or show off how strong it is. Meekness is not weakness. If anything, it's more so strength. Patience. It's the opposite of revenge or anger. Stedman says, the enduring of another's exasperating conduct without flying into a rage. Anybody have in-laws with them? I didn't mean it right here in the front. I, <laughs> that was planned way ahead before I knew in-laws were here this weekend. <sighs> Get <laughs> and sometimes it's really hard to have son-in-laws like we have, right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm, patience. Bearing with one another. Encouraging and supporting each other. Forgiving one another. In fact, look at verse 13. It tells us that. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Does that work in a family? You think that works in a family? It better. Does it work in a church? It better. Does it work in a country? In a world? Yeah. What if in this world we did verse 13 bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the Lord forgave you have you been forgiven thank goodness right because our position without God would be really bad but he's forgiven us of the sins that we've committed now if he can forgive you of your sin why can't we forgive others? Does that make sense to you? Put these things on. 
and, and then love. The most important attribute, it says, bind them all together. Look at verse 14. For it says, and, all, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So the patience and the gentleness and the humility and the kindness and the compassion, put all of those together and let love just kind of put it all together. Sometimes it takes love, doesn't it? Sometimes it's hard for us to love each other, but we got to do that if we're going to be pleasing to God. So put on Christ-like attributes. Secondly, put on Christ-like attitudes or practice these attitudes. And what attitudes? Well, let's look. Because it's telling us that we need to put on the peace and we need to put on thankfulness. We should be characterized by peace. We should be ruled by peace. So what's the source of this peace? The Bible says it's the peace of Christ. It's the peace of Christ. I have a hard time being peaceful sometimes. Okay? If somebody does me wrong, it's just not fair. I'm a fair type of person. I'm a decent and order type of person. It's not supposed to work that way. Put on peace. Even when it isn't fair. That's tough. Did you see that golf tournament last week? Where the guy was in the lead and he finished his round and he tied for the lead at the very end of the tournament. And then they came up to him and said, oh, by the way, you have a two-stroke penalty because you put your club down in a bunker, which is a sand trap. And so they go for the next half hour <laughs> showing this over and over again, and you're thinking, how did he ever know that was a sand trap or a bunker? People are walking all over. They're standing in it. They stood alongside of it. It just looked like some of the courses I play, you know, where there's no grass. That wasn't fair. He didn't mean to. It wasn't fair. He took it very well. You know, talk about a a love that is there. Talk about a patience and a gentleness that was there. Talk about a humility that was there. You know, we are to show that. And so we get to that attitude, and there needs to be that attitude of peace. That attitude that is good, whatever. So the nature of it is the peace of Christ, because I don't have the strength to do that, nor do any of us. And the direction for this peace, it is to rule in our hearts. We should live without hatred or contempt for each other. And the why of this peace? Because we are called to it. It is to dominate what we are and who we are as the elect of God. So the peace, but we also should be characterized by thankfulness. Are you thankful? When we stop and think about it, we're thankful, aren't we? Because we look at all these things that we have and thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. But too often our attitude is, why don't I have more? Why can't I have this? Why can't it be this way? You know how much happier you would be if you just got rid of that I deserve or I want 
and just put in, thank you, God. Wow. I could thank God for every one of you. You know, I can stand here and I, I can say, look how many seats in the pews are empty. Those people are all on vacation. Where are they? And, and I could be pretty unhappy that way, you know? I, I could say, thank you, you're here, and thank you, you're here, and bless you, and you're here, and wow, look at you. Oh, so good to have. Yeah, amen, thank you, Jesus. What kind of life do you want? The, the situation is the same. It's just how I decide I want to look at it. Practice Christ-like attitudes of peace and thankfulness. The third thing is the Christ-like action. Did you notice, this isn't my doing, I stole it, attributes, A, attitudes, A, action, A, sounds like I'm Canadian, right? A, the Christ-like action. So the resource for this the Bible says the word of Christ. The prerequisites of it, look at verse 16. What's the prerequisite? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Hmm. It's the rule in our hearts. That's a prerequisite that we need to understand that we are chosen that we are elect, that we are holy, that, that we are loved, that we have all of these things. Let those things rule then in our hearts. And the response, what does it say we're supposed to do with this? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you what? As you teach and admonish one another. Now, we understand about the teaching, we got that. You're teaching your children, your grandchildren, I hope. Hopefully you're teaching yourselves, too. But look at the next. Admonish one another. Some of us really like that. Oh, good, I get to admonish you, the Bible says. But look at the next couple words there. Admonish what? With all wisdom. Oh, that takes out that pride thing. That takes out that pointing the finger thing. But admonish with all wisdom. So, peace of Christ, okay. The action is it's the word of Christ and the rule in your hearts. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And along with that, look what we got. With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's worship. Do we worship? Yes, do we worship with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Amen. I was really getting into it back there. That was fun as people were coming in. And, and then look at that last part of that verse. What is the attitude? With gratitude. Oh, I like that. The attitude is gratitude. See, I'm a big attitude kind of guy. You know, you can be terrible at something, but what is your attitude? You may not be real successful. What is your attitude? If I see somebody trying, it's like, ah, oh, yeah. 
I don't care if you're good or bad, but if you're giving it, you're off. You're making an effort if you're trying with gratitude in your hearts to God. Okay, one last thing here. We got attributes, we got attitudes, we got action. Sorry, I couldn't think of another A. So verse 17 talks about performing everything we do in order to please him. Look at verse 17. By the way, as you look at this, there are no hidden locked closets because it says, and whatever you do. Does that take in everything? That takes in everything. But what about those things that I don't want it to take in? No, no, no. It says, whatever you do in word or deed, well, that pretty well covers it, talking action. Whether in word or deed, do it what? All in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does that mean? Everything that I do needs to be of God. Everything I do in the name of Jesus. See, he doesn't go ahead and lay all of these rules down now. I mean, he says some things we ought to do and ought not to do. But basically, it comes down to one fundamental principle in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you do things in the name of the Lord Jesus? You bet. Can you golf in the name of the Lord Jesus? Probably not. No, just kidding. You can. Can you go to work in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you play in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you raise your children in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you ride bikes in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you play softball in the name of the Lord Jesus? Can you play your violin in the name of the Lord Jesus? You can do all of that. Look at the attitude. With gratitude. With thanksgiving. So there we go. We got the thou shalt nots. And now we have the thou shalts. So get rid of the one and fill it with the other. So, by the way, if you do this, what will the world think? They're going to think you're really weird. Because it is so different than what the world teaches. Would I mind if the survey says Christians are really weird? Oh, I'd like that. Because we need to be different. But in each of those things that I read to you from that book, each of those things needs to be directed by the attitude, by Christ in us. You got that? Friends, you got a lot to work on this week. I got a lot to work on this week. And I probably can start right now. How about you? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. I always thank you, Lord. We are lucky. We are fortunate. Wow. Lord, may we have a heart that is yours. May we have a body that is yours. May everything that we are, may it be yours. And Lord, I give you honor and glory, and I praise you in that. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We could have the ushers now come forward to receive the offering.
complicate these things Been living everything for me But who can match your grace? Your mercy can fill the darkest place Still your love goes on Still you break me down Still your love runs free Still you watch over me I know sometimes I lose my way And then my heart gets so afraid But I realize I must walk by faith and not by sight Oh, still your love goes Into my deepest dream.